When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Friday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Fowler and on this occasion I am joined by Tony Anderson. Hello Craig. Hello Tony, that was very enthusiastic, I like that, I like that energy. Yeah, we're getting into it, let's do it. And I'm also joined again uh, for his first appearance on the main show, uh, one of our, of our ringers. We've not had many ringers on the main show because everybody's stuck at home and nobody has any plans. But uh, Adam Thornton, he's joined us once on the Patreon before, once or twice actually. Uh, and uh, we've welcomed him back for this appearance for, for the masses, for the, uh, let's face it, the, the tight pricks who don't want to give us Patreon money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adam, Cheers, Craig. It's good to be back. Cheers. Yes. Right, you're basically on to allow me and Tony to sky for these first 20 minutes because for this episode we're going to cover the two games in Europe last night where we'll start with the Rangers win over Galatasaray and then get to Celtic's win over Sarajevo, which uh, I've watched, I think Tony's seen about half of it as well. I've seen most of it, yeah. And then we'll get to our next game in the most memorable Scotland countdown, I think we're up to about 33, I can't remember what I said last week, if you're 32 or 33. And that is the Scotland 2-1 win over Liechtenstein. <laughs> Fuck knows why that's so high. We'll, we'll, have, we'll get to that later on. We'll, we'll maybe throw at some theories of ourselves why you, our listeners, actually voted for this to be in the fucking 30s of the most memorable Scotland games of all time. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Anyway, I think this might also be the last week as well we do a European show as the main podcast. Because I'm kind of thinking if we're going to do it every single week, it's going to be about two teams every week. And you know we don't like to do that. So we'll probably just do them every week as a Patreon uh, and, instead. So if you are a Celtic or Rangers fan and you don't subscribe to the Patreon and you want to hear us talk about these games, well, you know what to do. Right, let's, with all that out of the way, Adam, tell us about Rangers winning. 
Yeah, thank God they won because I was thinking I'm going to have to come on this, and it's it's one thing doing it on on heart and hand when it's uh, it's just Rangers fans, but I'm like, I'm going to have to do this if we get beat. It's going to be. But an you could just complain about the referees in that case. It's fine. <laughs> I could do. Yeah, he was fine. Never noticed him. It's amazing. He's always so good when Rangers win. It's unbelievable. Um, <laughs> and that it's just sheer irony. But yeah, um, Galatasaray. Um, I did a wee bit of analysis on them uh, a couple of days ago. I put it out on Twitter yesterday. I don't know whether it's. Rangers and how well we do in the European stage recently um, but I wasn't particularly terrified of them going into the game um, when you see the names on the team sheet and you think Arda Turan Belhanda Falcao you're thinking like, they've got some good players but then you kind of dig into it and think well, he's 34 he's 33 he's injured um, he's pretending he's got the flu when really he's got COVID and can't travel but they're not telling us in Arda Turan's <laughs> case Um and you have a look at them and you think, yeah, they're a decent team, but they're, they're probably a team that you expect without being rude about it. Those players are going to Turkey because they get a lot of money um, when, when they go there, essentially. So there is a, an element of them kind of scaling down their careers, I think, at that stage. There's a few differences, like their number four, Antalya, is a really good player. Um, and I thought Rangers had a good job of keeping him quiet, which we can come on to. But looking at the game, I think Rangers have beaten better teams than this. Um this calendar year, really, I think Braga are a better team, certainly, and I would say Porto Feyenoord are, are better as well. But it did represent uh, the toughest challenge in qualifying that we've had, definitely. Um, so going into it, I'm thinking they're a team that like to press, we're a team that like to press, they're a team that um, like to come through the centre, we like to pass through the centre as well. It was a wee bit of an even matchup. Obviously, we've got home advantage and we do really well on this. I was confident without being overconfident about it I think as a Rangers fan or indeed a fan of anybody in Scottish football you can't really be too confident when you go on the, the big stage so um, I, I was comfortable big stage like Burkakara at home yeah I know what you mean <laughs> some potential bananas can do yeah, so I, I thought, I thought, yeah, mm, we'll see how it goes. And then we started uh, and Rangers came out of the traps flying, uh, as we do. Um, this game is very re- reminiscent to me of Porto last season in the sense that Rangers came out for the first 10 or 15 minutes and had a goal. And we thought, right, okay, fine, this is going to be, this will be quite interesting. We'll see how it goes. But we had a goal lacking much in the way of quality in the final third. Morelos got caught offside a couple of times, shockingly. And... Um, there wasn't really a huge amount of pressure on their goal, but we had the most of the play. And then, whether we kind of sat back or Galatasaray started having a goal, um, they had the better of the play, uh, certainly in the, the first, sorry, the last 30 minutes of the first half. They, they certainly had the better of the play without really creating much. Um, McGregor never had a save to make in that, but generally they were kind of controlling how it went. But that was the same against Porto, although Porto pretty much schooled Rangers in that first half. They, they, kind of passed us off the park. Galatasaray weren't really doing that. It was a bit of a drab half, but you went at half-time thinking we started okay, but we never really made any chances. They've had a goal. Let's see what happens. Now, as a Rangers fan, you know Rangers will come out the blocks at the start of the second half. Certainly under Gerard, it happens so often. 10 or 15 minutes, they'll come out. Can I try and win the game? Mostly because if we don't, the crowd got on the back, etc. As we know, not an issue in this game. However, um, it's, in, it's drilled into them. That's what they need to do. Now, I don't know why Galatasaray didn't know that. Maybe they did and maybe Rangers were, were too good because it happens quite a lot. Um, but that was the case. We came out after halftime right up for it. Um, the goal comes from Tavernier playing a, a really smart entry pass into um, 
had you where we Morelos dummy I'm going to say it's a Morelos dummy I, I think he tried to hit it and never but um, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt um, oh, I think it was a dummy we, I think it was a dummy <laughs> and then we've seen the um, we've seen this interplay between Hadji and Arfield that we've seen a couple of times so far um, Hibs at Easter Road last week it was kind of carbon copy of that certainly mm-hmm. the way they got the ball into the into the area and Arfield scored uh, under the keeper um, we've done it a few times Dundee United rings a bell as well um, when Kent scored Hadji and Kent with that little bit of play um, you see a lot of I wouldn't say criticism but you see a lot of queries about Hadji in terms of the whole is he physical enough for the Scottish game and I kind of hate that because the, the rest of the team are supposed to um, back him up really if you like he, he's not supposed to be one of those players he's, he's supposed to be the kind of guy that wins the bo- egg the guy that wins the game for you. So if you look at him, he didn't really have the are best of game. Are you saying he missed like a goon? Like, um, what's his name? The, the boy from American Pie, like his character in those ice hockey films, where he's basically Aye, just absolutely. a guy on the team. So if anybody touches Haggy, he just goes and kicks fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, need, we need a bash brother. Aye, absolutely. That's, that's 100% what we need. Um, but he... Haggy's had, had really turned up quite frequently in these European games. Uh, where maybe there's been questions about him in the Scottish League but I don't really get how it doesn't seem to really come to fruition so much in the Scottish League because he's so good in tight areas uh, and the sort of perfect way to pass that he has uh, each time that you think it would really suit the way that other teams play against Rangers when they play really, really deep that he should be having an impact on pretty much every game that he plays in. Uh, Yeah, I I agree. I think the problem is you've seen from this goal um, Markow gets dragged out by, by Morelos and Hadji's able to play the pass behind him mm. into, into Arfield doesn't happen in Scotland they don't get dragged out they just stand there so <laughs> while he is <laughs> that's a pretty, that's while a pretty is, fair comment <laughs> while he is great going, on the ball okay what are you going to do now <laughs> I know I try that again see how you go and I'll kick you in the balls pretty much I but um, so I, t- I do take your point that's where he comes into his own um, however we can't get any runners in behind the defence because the defence are on the byline most of the time. So it is a wee bit of a challenge in that sense. But this is why I think you need to buy Hadji or, or why he's, he's going to be a good buy because it's these moments in the game. He didn't have a great game. However, that one pass that nobody else on the park for Rangers could make um, and he sets up the goal and Rangers are, are in, in control um, of the game. Um, then we see I, enjoyed, I enjoyed McCoy's uh, commentary. Of of that goal I saw on Twitter It was like Gary speak. Neville uh, yeah. Aye, it, it was Gary Neville In the Champions League-esque It was, uh, it was just 80% in orgasm I think Yeah aye, Absolutely <laughs> they, how, how are those, For people who don't Really get to watch it How are those two together uh, Tildesley and McCoist On sort of Rangers TV <laughs> It's it's quite good It was a bit of a It was a very very Staunch line up last night I'm sure you've seen it all I saw over, the pictures uh, I, Look to be honest if I was a Rangers fan, I'd be absolutely licking my lips over that. I don't really absolutely. have a problem with it. It was um, obviously it was Sunes, Smith, McCann, um, and then you've got McCoy and Tilsley. They are good. Tilsley has kind of um, he's been a breath of fresh air, which um, has been good. He's come in and he obviously knows his stuff. He knows he knows how to analyse a game. He knows how to just tell you about the opponents um, on that big stage. He's been brilliant. McCoy, I think, is a really good co-commentator anyway um, you can kind of hear the passion that he's obviously allowed to do on Rangers TV he can be a bit less neutral um, which is good um, I've got no complaints at all about the entire Rangers TV setup I think it's been really really good value for money just now um, I was trying to think of a well. I was trying to think of a Hearts version of that if you get three three kind of like favourite kind of guys from kind of recent past I was just thinking Paolo Sergio like Levine were hated no no no, 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 no
no, I came up with uh, Paolo Sergio, uh, Jim Jeffries, and Vladimir Romanov. I think that as a, th- a three-man studio would be quite good. I was going to go Vladimir Romanov, Ian Catherine, and Michael Stewart, but you've already done with the other, yeah. <laughs> you'd have to get you'd have to get Stewart and Levine in the same uh, in the same place. All that would just oh, become boring and yeah. unlistenable. Well, they managed. Someone managed to do it in sports side these days. It's funny that they both are able to act quite professional well you can tell there's like a simmering rage just undercurrent to the entire thing it just keeps things spicy though I think that's great I love that a wee bit of undercurrent right anyway less tangent sorry back to to the game I brought (laughs) but so then uh, yeah Rangers are 1-0 up um, and kind of controlling it and we go for the kill which is something that Rangers teams don't haven't tended to do Um, probably the start of what year are we on now? The start of this year before lockdown, um, January to March, we kind of got ourselves in front and then maybe sat back a little bit and tried to sit on the league, the lead, but we didn't. Um, we had this incredible passing move for the second goal, which wow. um, halfway through it, Alan McCoy was again halfway through an orgasm. It kind of started with McGregor and it goes it goes all the way through the defence. It gets to Tavernier and goes all the way through until eventually Barisic gets the ball on the byline. Um, he crosses it in and it's. <laughs> a flighted cross with a wee bit of a deflection, but Tavernier has made himself, has made his way up to the back post. Yeah. And he's not, he's not just arrived, he's been standing there for a while, so he must just have bombed up the entire length of the park. Um, completely catches the, the Galatasaray defender on the, on the hop. Has no idea, he just jumps over him basically and heads into the net. Um, it was one of those goals that you see Liverpool doing. Um, I know we talk, mm-hmm. I talk about Rangers and Liverpool having quite consistent um tactical philosophies but um, left back crossing in for right back is something we see with them quite a lot Atalanta did it the other night as well um, with Gosens crossing in for Hattabur on the, on the right hand side so it is something we see a lot more in um, European football it is still really bizarre to see a Scottish team doing that with left back crosses in for the right back to score it was, it was, it was sorry on you go further I can see you're about to unleash no because no, my point's uh, kind of taken us away from the game so if you want to go first if you've got something that's a bit just, more kind of relevant no, no I'm just going to say how much I enjoyed the goal apart from the I think if you take that small deflection out and it's more of a sort of whipped or driven cross then it is kind of like uh, as good a goal as you'll, as you'll possibly see it does, uh, it does kind of ruin the sex just ever so slightly doesn't like, it but I mean, that's really being pernickety because uh, I watched the goal back about four times. I absolutely loved it. And I'll be honest, I, I, I think I've talked about quite regularly on the podcast how much I enjoy watching Rangers in Europe. It's much more uh, a field where they can sort of put the, the best parts of Rangers can come to the fore a lot easier. And you can, and you can see it in that, that the link-up play between Morelos and Hadji on the build-up, it's like the perfect little layoff for Morelos, and Hadji picks it up and moves it wide. And uh, yeah, it was really exciting. It's, I think it is a fair comment. I think Alan Temple said it on Twitter that it's a tedious sort of debate that people have. If this player or this team done that goal, everyone would be going wild. But I think there is. If it was Liverpool, I do think people would be um, to keep on the the orgasm three masturbating over it quite feverishly. It's funny, if you just see the ball, if you just see the goal from maybe the cross coming in from Barisic, you think, we don't really know how, that, how that's got there and you don't really appreciate it at all. But then if you, if you can see the longer clip and you see the six or seven passes, which are all one touch, I think, other than Kent, they're mm-hmm. pretty much all one touch passes. It's a nice wee bit of play and I spoke about Galatasaray being aging, etc. But they weren't exactly mugs and they got pushed about oh. quite a bit in that chance. So I think it, it was a brilliant goal. Um, obviously, Not Tavernier at all, because is, I'm... 
we saw um, I said like, I've said this numerous times I think Rangers away in Portugal and Porto last season was possibly my favourite performance for any team in the country really just because of the standard and at the time I didn't realise that Rangers had that in them to go and play in that style and you're seeing it again even though this time it's without Jack which uh, says a lot about Rangers sort of depth in that area but it was, it's all the one touch pass and they're never backs to the wall uh, in these European games or very rarely or maybe when they went to Germany just after lockdown but outside of that uh, Rangers are never back to the wall they're well involved in the game and they give teams of all sort of high standards they give them the runaround uh, quite quite a lot what was uh, what I was going to say earlier was that and this kind of it does kind of lead on from this I was just thinking this randomly the other day and basically if Steven Gerrard like say say Rangers don't win the league this season, which might happen. Like Celtic are, are still, you know, from the outset appear to have like the stronger squad, especially like considering what's happened the last couple of years. If they don't win the league, Gerard leaves. I, I wouldn't think he'd be sacked, but say he just say say he gets another job. I think a lot of people in Scottish football would say, well, he failed at Rangers. He failed, and his number one objective was to was to win Stop Rangers the a title. Yeah. Stop the ten, win Rangers a title, and people would therefore say probably mostly Celtic fans who obviously don't like him because, well, why the fuck would you like the manager of your biggest rivals? I've certainly never really liked many Hibs managers at that time. So that's perfectly understandable. But they would say, well, he was rubbish. He was a rubbish manager because he couldn't get above Celtic. But the way he's transformed, I mean, he obviously has his flaws. I think we've kind of discussed them before. Uh, the fact that maybe his style of play doesn't always kind of suit Scottish football, wanting to bring the ball out with defenders where sometimes he's played catch, sometimes he's played like Flanagan, for instance, and that doesn't necessarily work. You need to have players who can do it. He's kind of got a blind spot for a box-to-box midfielder, which is something that you know most Scottish teams tend to have. But the way that he's completely transformed Rangers on the continent is incredible. And if you were somebody from another country looking at how you could improve your team if you're, if you're underachieving, and I think you would look at what Gerard's done in Europe and say he would be the guy for me. So I think he is actually a, a very good manager. Just somebody with blind spots that are maybe... Those blind spots I think most managers have. His blind spots might be worse for Scotland than just about any other country. The annoying thing about it, I completely agree, the, the annoying thing about it is surely it's got to be more difficult to go to Porto and, and <laughs> win or, or got to, than beating St. Martin at home. <laughs> no disrespect, but, but surely that's got to be more of a challenge. Um, it's baffling I think I don't know whether it was on when we were on the last time Craig but Rangers and Celtic are exactly the opposites both on and off the park but, but in terms of on the park um, Celtic are really really good at that getting the games done on, uh, domestically getting the wins clocking up the wins and going there on the European stage you could argue that sometimes they get a, they get a challenge and it doesn't always go to plan Cluj, Ferenc Farros whereas Rangers are exactly the opposite the bigger the challenge they want to come and match it they just have the problem trying to beat five, six, seven-man defences at home, which obviously, unfortunately, in the league that we're in, we need to do five times, six times out of ten. Um, think, so that does represent I think when it comes, a challenge. Yeah, I think when it comes to, to Lennon Celtic in Europe, uh, I think what it is is that we saw them last year do very well in the group stages, and yet they were obviously very poor against Cluj in the home game. They were very poor against Copenhagen in the home game. And they were obviously, again, uh, not at their best uh, this campaign when they were knocked out by, they've completely blanked on the team. Perrin Farros. Perrin Farros, of course. When they, I think what Lennon's turned them, I think under Rodgers, because of the style of play that, that Rodgers wanted to play, and that's kind of, that's, 
Rogers probably should have done better considering that what Rangers have managed to do. Rogers didn't really do that well, but I think what he did was that Celtic were very good at beating who they were supposed to beat, but they had absolutely no chance against anybody who was like a bigger, bigger team, bigger budget. It's it was ran with that ethos, and there was no way, never any. Yeah. So but with Lennon, nuance. Lennon involves a bit more chaos in his team, and I think that chaos helps them with matches like against Lazio, where they would not be favoured. You would think Lazio would have won both games, Celtic ended up winning both games. But because there is that chaos, that they can't, they're not able to kind of handle these games against other teams that they should be beaten. That that, that kind of chaos factor works against them in that times. Because if, if you if you're odds on favourite to win a match and you involve chaos in it, then things can go wrong. Uh, it, it can be good, but it can be ga- bad. It's kind of, it works both ways. So even after a disappointing start in, in Europe, I wouldn't be surprised if Celtic go into what is admittedly a very kind of tough group. I think on paper, you'd say that they've probably got a, a tougher group than Rangers, although I don't know if there's that much in it. Uh, but you still wouldn't be surprised if they had a campaign like they did last year and come out on top of that. I think it's it's first world problems, but I was a wee bit disappointed with Rangers group this year because we've had um we've had a couple of groups, obviously we qualified from the last one, but we've never had we've not had like a proper big name as in like a English or Italian team that you would really say, Wow, like obviously in this group there was in this draw there was Spurs, Arsenal, Roma, Napoli. I was thinking we'll get one of them and that would be good. And Benfica are a big name in, in Portuguese football. Um absolutely a big name in European football, however. Um the rest of the, the teams, Standard Liège and Poznan, kind of of the same level as some teams we faced before. I fancy Rangers to go through. I think we, second place is a definite um, opportunity there. But Celtic's group, um, I think on the face of it, is a wee bit, diffi- is a wee bit more difficult. I don't know much about um, the, the team from Prague. However, Milan, um, I do a Serie A podcast on, on Heart and Hand, so we know Milan quite, quite well. They aren't the force they once were, but on their day, they're decent. They're getting better again, but they're absolutely nowhere near um, the level of, of UV or, or even um, Lazio at this stage of Inter they're a good bit behind that um, at Parkhead you would think Celtic will be favourites to win that away from home who knows because whatever Milan team turns up you, you just have no idea and then Leo might be a wee bit of a surprise package given the amount of money they've spent um, they might even have Morelos if the, the window goes the way that um, it might now so we're that, talking. Could, be, now that we're could be an interesting <laughs> factor there I guess asking Alfredo Morelos to score against Celtic is not exactly a strong suit, so I'm not but sure. But that's what will happen. He'll go and he'll score a hat trick. Uh, <laughs> that's absolutely written in the stars. And Celtic fans will even be region. laughing about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I think Celtic's draw is a wee bit more difficult, but um, I think both of them are, are decent. Yeah. All right, we should probably move on to the Celtic game now. So Celtic managed to, to get their victory against Sarajevo. You can kind of look at this as being quite similar to, to the. The Riga game, I think it was different for a couple of reasons. One, Sarajevo, to me, looked a better team than Riga. I think they, they carried away a bit more threat on the counter. They still lacked the quality in the final third as Riga did, but they didn't make too many kind of like fundamentally bad mistakes that Riga did when they had in decent positions. Uh, they, they kind of looked like they had a bit more kind of confidence in those areas. And uh, were it not for some kind of decent last that's defended on a couple of occasions, maybe breakthrough to Celtic. But overall, there wasn't too many opportunities for them. Celtic, I think, the Riga game was lacklustre. I think this was just more professional and had a degree of more patience because I think that Celtic didn't really move the ball quickly enough against Riga. I thought they did move it fairly quickly against Sarajevo, but it could have been better. It could have been a bit more one-touch, a bit more kind of invention, but... At the same time, it wasn't quite as flat as the other game. I think they were just denied by a team who defended pretty well for the most part. And 
It was, was, it, was the centre half uh, for was it Milizovic? Mil- yes, number fifteen. He was great. Uh, yeah. he he really really stood out. Uh, and I, I, after watching him there, I mean, he dealt with Edward really really well. He was and he was also really good at taking the ball out. Uh, so you saw really quite a lot of aspects of his game, and he was really really good one on one as well, which is. Uh, Handy because with the way Celtic play, when they're playing with Edward, El Yanusi, and Christie, uh, they obviously they try to link up when you're going to play with those three up front. Uh, and I thought that they really struggled to to break through him as a as an individual. Never mind Sarajevo as a team. Yeah, and the, the kind of things that haven't worked before in the three five two, like Brown. I thought Brown was again. We talked. We said he played well on Monday's podcast, and I think he did again. He wasn't. Don't think he was as good as he played against Hibs, but he wasn't. He wasn't bad. He, he, was, he was really good in a in a defensive sense because Sarajevo did look uh, quite handy on the counter, especially in the first ten minutes. Uh, and you saw Brown uh, sort of in tuned into that, and he must have made six, maybe five or six tackles or interceptions uh, in the first half, and that totally slowed any sort of momentum that Sarajevo could gain. Uh, I thought, so I, I thought I he did one thing. I would say though, and this this come to our criticism of Lennon's use of him. I thought he did tire towards the end, and I thought I thought a couple of times he let them through. He let like a player through an attack that I don't think he would have done, and because he hadn't done it earlier in the match. And I was just kind of thinking, well, that comes the fact that you really can't be playing a guy in his mid thirty. Like Lennon's saying, like oh, we've got the stats here. It shows that he's running kind of harder all the time, and he, he's still running. And yeah, fair enough, they do have this the technology that shows them that maybe other guys are getting tired more than than Brown. But I don't know. I, I saw it last night. I saw that he looked tired towards the end of the game. And I'm thinking. Don't stop playing him 90 minutes just about every fucking week. Like, it's three games a week. Like, give him, yeah. give him a half. <laughs> give him something. <laughs> uh, then there's no reason not to. There's games that are, they do this, uh, I mean, it's criticism of Lennon in general. He plays McGregor, Brown, probably Christie as well. They all get played into the ground. Uh, and you can never understand why, because there's plenty periods where they could not bother, they could rest them. Or like, even when they go and play, well, they fall crook away or part of this away in the League Cup. These guys all, See me playing. I've never really been able to get my head around it. Is, is, is it just arrogance or is it, is it, is it genuinely... Maybe, like it's a maybe competitiveness because we know how fiery and competitive Lennon can be. It's maybe the fact that he literally just wants to win every game and is happy to... It, it just thinks that if you're... I think there's an old school edge to Lennon as well. Uh, and I think mm. he thinks if, if you're able to stand, then you should be able to run 90 minutes, basically. I think that's it. I think the reason... He's got some key players that he'll want to play every single game, um, and that's who he trusts. And maybe he doesn't feel like the backups are are um, are good enough. I know he's had some uh, issues with and Cham over the over the years as well. Maybe he just doesn't feel like they're the guys that he can go to. Um, that point you made about chaos, though, Craig earlier on is, is really good. I think you see that in this game. Um, I only seen the highlights um, grudgingly because I was coming on here, but um, I only seen <laughs> <laughs> I only seen the highlights, and it's a long shot from Christie, a complete speculative shot that the goalie spills and Edwards in to get the goal. Uh, and you think that's the type of thing you need to do in these games. You can go and you can have all the ball, but if a team's just sitting there saying, come at me, see what you can do, that's the type of thing. Um, and that's a criticism I've had. A, we've had the Rangers a lot. You look at that mm-hmm. second goal and it's a lovely passing move and that's great. And, but if that slaff doesn't happen, nobody cares. He gets forgotten about. We've tried to walk it into the net a lot. Um and I think Celtic have that. A lot of very, long, there's not a lot of long-range shooters in the Rangers team coming from midfield. Uh, maybe Hadji at times, but on the whole, you thought so Ryan Christie brings that element that Rangers just completely yeah. don't have. Greg Stewart could do it, but the problem is that you have to play Greg Stewart. Aye. Aye. 
be like bring, can okay. you bring him on like in, like in American, American football just bring him on to kick it once in a while <laughs> <laughs> back off we've got the five subs this season you may as well use one just for that eh? <laughs> you take him right back off and you've still got three maybe um, <laughs> we do that but, right sure. trying to think of other members of the Celtic team Frank Pong Frank Pong was the, the left back impressed me quite a lot I can't remember his name now for for Sarajevo but he was very good in the first probably the first hour of the match in terms of keeping Frimpong quiet because Frimpong got the ball and was looking to drive at them because sometimes with I think sometimes with wingers and fullbacks kind of head to head you can say that the fullbacks won the battle but sometimes it's just the, the winger not like forcing the issue enough I think a, a very famous example of that is James Forrest against Aaron Hickey in the Scottish Cup final everybody says Hickey had him in his back pocket Forrest just didn't show up that day Forrest just, for whatever reason was so subdued barely wanted the ball barely wanted to do anything when he got the ball and therefore it's easy for, for the opposing fullback but in this game, Frimpong was going at the guy. And oh, God, I'll need to look this up because it's very, very disrespectful that we just called him that guy. Uh, but he I don't think thing. anyone from Sarajevo is going to be listening, mate. <laughs> I just thought I'd give him his props. I may as well call him by his actual name. Yeah, I, don't, uh, I only had one guy. I had that uh, Milicevic and that was it for me. Wrote him down. It wasn't like when I watched um, Corey. Oh, that was it. Uh, Sel- Selmir Pedro. He was good. Uh, but Frimpong, he kept at it. Did that game, sorry? Selmir Pedro. Okay. I thought he said something else there. But to be fair to Frimpong, he kept out. He didn't let his head drop, which I think I mean, most 19-year-olds would in that circumstance. You just think, okay, right, I can't get a beating of this guy. Don't pass me the ball. He kept going out, and for the last half hour, 20 minutes, he was great again. He was like Jeremy Frimpong, he's most dangerous. And that's another thing to add to, well... To, to his bow his bow is basically full of the fact he's the fastest player in the league and knows how to do it and is very good at dribbling uh, and he's more than willing to, he's more than willing to go inside than, than outside and he's happy yes. to use Christie as a sort of passing board and link up as well so there's no, you can't just show him you can't pick away to show him he's never going to be easy to play against he's that, quite intelligent for, for his age yeah that, that might have seemed like a criticism of Frimpong but it's not meant to be he does it's obviously he's not a big he's, well, he's very small for a full back he, defensively he's still got a wee bit to go before he's considered good on that end he also his crossing's not particularly great but he can dribble with the ball and he's very fast and he knows how to do the combination of the two very well now there's a lot of footballers out there who are fast and you rarely ever notice that they're fast because they don't know how to use that pace on a football pitch Frimpong a teenager knows exactly how to use it and it will stand him a good stead for the rest of his career and he will play and you have to think he's going to play at a higher level than this one uh, and again he was impressive traffic else in the team McGregor was very poor he barely saw he really him was, through, eh? barely he saw really him through the 90 minutes uh, Christie's passing was off but he, he was still doing Ryan Christie things forcing the issue a lot playing with a lot of energy obviously as we, we've said had the, had the shot that led to the goal second half Christie sort of improved for, for what I saw in the first half I think Celtic struggled with the pitch a bit in the first half they, I think Lennon even commented on that because um, uh, they were trying to get the long switches out to Greg Taylor quite frequently but they were never they never really had their eye in they had Taylor pushed right up I mean when Celtic got the ball there was at times where Taylor was probably the most forward player uh, and McGregor Christie and Duffy as well um, were all struggling to, their, their switch balls were never really coming off and that's something I think might be an issue with Duffy going forward especially in Scotland uh, when teams set off him and he carries the ball out and he has the cent- in the in the back three he was the central player uh, he doesn't really have the ability to to spray it if you like and 
I wouldn't say that's too much of a surprise. If you look back at maybe Brighton, uh, I think he was a main man under Hutton when they were in the Premiership and he pl- when they played really, really deep. But the minute Potter came in and they tried, they obviously the idea was to have a new style and play a much more expansive way. Duffy was pretty much binned instantly uh, from Potter. And that might show a pro... So you might find when Celtic are playing Benfica away that Duffy really... That he rises to the top in that case. But uh, in the league uh, and in these types of games it might not actually be as great as what people would expect with a guy with his pedigree. The I, other... I, completely, I completely agree with that. I think, I think Duffy isn't as good on the ball as, say, an Ayer would be, or even a Julian coming out. I think he's there to give them maybe a bit of a physical presence. Again, most of the information I can go on is when Rangers play Celtic and, and Morelos um, hasn't managed to score, but he's... Uh, he's done well physically against them so maybe having someone like Duffy in um, will help in that respect but yeah you're spot on though bringing the ball out from the back isn't really his his forte however if they've got beat on Ayer Julian two of the three there beside them maybe they can kind of get away with it but maybe the issue might be for us I imagine Duffy's not came to even be a bit part player and that even in a sense where he plays all the big games and doesn't play maybe some of the smaller games where maybe his ability won't be um, needed uh, so I imagine he'll play most games regardless and as we've spoke about with Lennon it seems to not matter if it's tactical or anything he's got the guys that he's going to play and, and, and they will play and Duffy will probably be that guy Before we move on there's a couple of players I want to talk about just a little bit uh, well the first one I don't really want to talk about too much because there's not much to say Hatem uh, El Hamid I thought he was very good last year he was obviously his season was massively curtailed due to injuries but when he did play I thought he played very well this season he has not looked comfortable whatsoever and he, he came on for Beaton early in this game and really straight away like panic stations whenever the ball kind of went near him uh, making silly mistakes he's done it all campaign I don't know what's wrong with him but he's, he's not playing particularly well not, and does he not like it in that back three thing well, he was supposed to be like he's played set and a half before though he, mm-hmm. I think that was supposed to be his natural position he, the reason Celtic signed him as a right back he, he had played there before I'd, I'd like seen clips of him doing it but he's, he's very quick for a guy his size and that's why he makes a, a decent right back because he doesn't necessarily have to do much on the ball and even when he does you've seen some of the games like I think even the game against was it Hibs or maybe the game before that where he was doing stuff on the overlap and you know when he gets in advanced areas he's not He's not Frimpong, but he's, he's somebody who can get into that and be another body and ask questions of defenders. But he's just, for whatever reason, just not started the season very well at all. Another guy I want to talk about, and I don't want to keep you know, banging the same drum over and over again, but Greg Taylor on the other side. I think mm-hmm. it was probably one of, in terms of Celtic performances this season, it's probably in the top half uh, for wing-back. Uh, again, though, he gets a lot of space, he gets a lot of time. He's, he's running's brilliant. He's got a lot of enthusiasm to get up the park. But his final ball... In, his, <laughs> his final ball in that situation got, is, is it good enough for Celtic's level. I've got, I've got notes here in, in their tally marks. Their tally marks of Taylor's poor crossing. That's literally what I've got on my bit of paper here. It actually and says I as well. Well done. <laughs> and I, and I, I agree with you, Craig. I, I like Taylor as well. But because of um, off-air chat that we have with other Terrace Podcast members... Uh, I keep an eye on certain things at Taylor. I and I was uh, tallying it up, and his crossing was really poor. And that was both when he's trying to go near post, both when he's trying to go deep. Uh, they were wrong all the time. 
Um, maybe I'm thinking that Hamilton game at this first game of the season might be an anomaly rather than a. Um, it's funny they, they addressed it. They addressed it on sports side after the game, but they eventually because because they all think that Greg Taylor's a very good player and he is a very good player. Yes, they all yes, eventually yeah. came to the conclusion that Celtic fans on Twitter uh, slagging him off aren't representative of Celtic fans because apparently if you're on Twitter being a fan you're not representative of like if, if like most if a lot of Celtic fans on Twitter are more about something it's about 99% sure that the rest of the supporters who are not on Twitter are more about the exact same fucking things just because you're on Twitter doesn't make you a different human being <laughs> well we might act like a different human being but I imagine yes, opinions right. are sure. imagine opinion, opinions are uh, pretty well uh, brought. I think it's. I think social media is a good way of gauging. Yes, uh, of course it is. Uh, yeah, it's not people. It's not fans. They're not yeah. like. <laughs> it's not like robots. Yeah, there's no bots saying Greg Taylor's an absolute dick. <laughs> yeah, what, what right, a waste of a bot. Putin's putting all these bots into like fucking. Like, <laughs> right, we, need get, we need to slag off Greg Taylor. That'll bring in the UK. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't think he's a wing back. Um, he's not a wing honest, back. He's a fullback. I, I really don't. I, I thought. Um, I wanted Rangers to sign him. Um, I, I, but purely, it was it was almost as a kind of chalk and cheese with Barisic. It was maybe someone who who would be really strong defensively and not terrible going forward, but it wouldn't be his his main thing. Um, well, I think that because really good for Kamarnock because he's not terrible going forward. He's just not a Celtic standard wing back. If when he's going to be that team, high up the park for seventy percent of the match, if he sticks around long enough at Celtic, I think he will eventually come good, and the, the fans will be fully behind him. Because what could happen in the future is that. Lennon or another manager goes back to a back four. He's a, he's the starting fullback in that team, and in front of him is an actual winger. That's what he needs in front of him because this is a problem when he plays in a four for Celtic as well. Is that he's usually got Elianusi or Christie or McGregor or somebody like that who's always going to drift inside, and that means he's expected to go in the overlap and he's expected to be that crossing option. At Kelly, for the most part, uh, he played with Jordan Jones and even if it wasn't Jones say it was Rory McKenzie somebody who might drift inside he's obviously not expected to, to be as much of an attacking threat as he is at Celtic if Celtic could get a proper say basically you just switch Celtic's team and on the left you had like the version of James Forrest with like a proper winger and then you could have like on the right hand side somebody who would cut in quite a lot I know that Forrest drifts in but you, you know what I mean Somebody, like what Christie was doing last night. Yeah, then you yeah. could have then you could have Frimpong just going doing that outside all the time, and on the left hand side, then it means Taylor doesn't have to go forward that much because he just has to, to to play in tandem with the winger as opposed to kind of filling his role a lot of the time. And it's kind of the whole the whole Man United thing from twenty years ago, isn't it? You had um, Giggs as the out and out winger, and then maybe Beckham in and then Neville going outside of him. I think that that balance of yeah. opposite flanks oh. is is decent. Yeah. So right, that's enough European football for this episode. Let's move on to the next on our list of most memorable Scotland matches, number 32, whatever. It's probably tied with something else anyway. So, Scotland, Liechtenstein. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get to that question quite soon. But it comes from uh, Tuesday the 7th of September 2010. Number one in the UK chart was Dynamite by... Uh, Tao Cruz Teo Cruz Don't know that one Neither do I Not a fucking scooby uh, Also number one film In the UK box office Was The Last Exorcism Again Not a clue The Last Exorcism no. no I've got I think Don't remember the Not the Exorcism of Emily Rose or No that's, that's not that That's uh, it's different And finally uh, The US box office The number one Was The American 
I don't know that either. The American I'm not living in a void in 2012. <laughs> Teddy pop culture. Uh, the, the, the American was the attempt to have George Clooney be a, like a franchise kind of James Bond guy that did not work out. Because oh, it, it, went, it went to number one for one week and then that was it. Nobody, nobody watched or remembered it. He's had a few movies like that. What was the one where he was like getting on planes all the time and just swaggering about? Oh, that was all right. Up in there. Up in there, that was it. Yeah, yeah. But he's got a lot of movies like that where uh, it's just watching him sort of stroll about and uh, look cool. Out of Sight as well, wasn't it? Out of Sight is very good. Out of Sight is a great film. Uh, George Clooney's career didn't quite pan out as a lot of people thought it would. He's had some great movies. Burn After Reading, I thought, was a brilliant film. And oh, I thought that, he, was, yeah, good. he was great in that as well. And again, I, I didn't a, like it. I didn't think. It was I know funny. we've we've spoke about this before. I think Fowler, but uh, we're talking about this because we don't want to talk about this fucking game. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just turned into a pop culture <laughs> podcast. This is my yeah. number one question. Do you guys have a theory why this is so high? The most memorable Scotland games. Obviously, there's recency bias to do with it, but it's still fucking ten years ago. Last minute winner, or not even last minute. Um, Mega ninety-seven. Yeah. Yeah. Did we, like minutes, did we just never like do that? Yeah. Probably, yeah. It was always glorious failure and obviously it ends up in glorious failure, but in this game, it was actual glory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of. It was like failure, failure glory. Uh, yeah, because we just, we just, thanks to the 97th minute winner, we managed to sneak past a team that, by the way, in the run-up to this game, hadn't won a single match for three years. Yes. And by yeah, the way, the last team that they beat before they played Scotland in this game was Israel, uh, Israel Iceland, and they beat them 3-0, which shows you the, the, just the difference in Scotland and Iceland since that time. Like this 3-0 in 2007. 2007, so it's that 13 years ago. So uh, that would have been just been the period where Iceland just had either Good Johnson and everything was about either Good Johnson. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe Liechtenstein should have been Scotland and they'd have got as angry as Iceland clearly did and went out and spent fucking hundreds in <laughs> development. Aye, uh, maybe it should have happened. That is Lichten, one of my... Liechtenstein just becomes one huge astroturf. One big episode <laughs> of sliding doors. <laughs> my memory of this game is that I was in, I was on holiday in Ibiza. Uh, just, I just went out myself and stayed with uh, Tori and mine's mutual friend, uh, Lee. Uh, just for like 10 days, I think it was, and the Scotland game was on. And I, I can't remember who I was, who I was with. Who I was, couldn't remember who, who I was. I mean, that sounds like 10 days and I'd be fine, brilliant. There was definitely points <laughs> in that 10 days where I could not remember who I was. <laughs> or, what, or what was north, what was south, what was up, what was down, I don't have a fucking yeah, skimmy. I'm sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know who I was with, but I, we're doing something that wasn't watching the Scotland game. I remember, I, <laughs> I remember I walked past, uh, it must have been the Highlander, and the place just exploded. Like, I literally walked past the moment where, like, Steve McMahon scored, and I think I'd been keeping an eye on the score, so I knew it was one each. And the place, uh, the place erupted, people spilling out over the streets, going mental, and I'm like, why? <laughs> like, why are you going that mental? It's, just the, ex- it's the excuse, though, in that sort of holiday environment, because uh, we never qualify for tournaments or anything. It's the excuse in that holiday environment to sort of run around and go wild. I bet the amount of English people in Arsenal and Tottenham and Man United tops on that holiday, on that strip, questioning Scotland fans exactly like you are right now, Fuller. There would have been plenty of them. The thing is, the team wasn't that bad. So the team was McGregor and Goals, back four of Hutton, Weir, McManus, Wallace, midfielder Brown, Darren Fletcher, McCulloch, McFadden, 
and Miller and Boyd up front. So you think, why? how did that team only sneak past Liechtenstein due to the last minute winner? Well, when I tell you the manager was Craig Levine, I think that answers all your questions. <laughs> Do you know, I thought that looking back, I was like, this is actually a pretty good team and it looks like maybe a 4-3-3. I was like, this, this looks okay. How did this happen? But yeah, uh, once I found out it was Craig Levine, this was, this was the game just before the old... 4-6-0, wasn't it? Yeah, sure it certainly was. was. The, the no, game. Two games before the f- other uh, quite memorable game, which I don't even know if it's made it in this list, the, the 3-2 game against Spain, where we did actually, for once, play well under Levine. That's how we came back to yeah. down, eh? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Steve McManus was shite defender in that game as well. He scored the winner, but he was shite defender in this game at all. Well, yeah, the first goal, uh, McManus... So it make, manages to make himself much smaller. Uh, so rather than try, so rather than try to block the ball, uh, he sort of turns sideways and then sort of makes one leg go in front of the other. So it was like kind of quite a smooth ballerina move, I would think. You think he's about to start twirling, uh, and then the striker Frick uh, curls into the corner. Uh, he's an it's interesting a good finish, to be fair. Yeah, it's, it's a, a lovely. Finish. He's an interesting one. You might, uh, Adam. He was a Serie A player for four years, apparently at Verona. Um, back in the day I checked he played over 110 games for for Verona and Serie A but then he's the record uh, caps holder he's got 125 caps and he's now the manager of FC Vaduz which I think is in the Swiss top flight uh, and he's meant to be sort of like the, the shining beacon of light for Liechtenstein football maybe like uh, I don't know our style of <laughs> Kenny Miller <laughs> In modern times, <laughs> I thought it was a really good finish. I'm, I'm sure he was either most cap player or something as well. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. 125 caps that I had. No, I, I thought I thought it was a good finish, McManus. I think yeah, he, the commentator says that as well. He, he can come out and and do a better job on that. But it's like it's almost like a a chip into the top corner. It's Aye. ridiculous. It kind of loops loops over the, the keeper's hand. It's a it's a bizarre one. It's like a desperate um, lunge and dive for McGregor, and it like sort of goes in in slow motion. But it's technically. Uh, not not a kind of finish that you see all the time. It is you can no. tell that that guy's playing at a, played at a high level. To be fair to McManus as well, in the build up to that move, the entire defence just looks so uninterested with the threat that's happening. The clear, it, it's just so clear to see that they don't. It just never occurs to them that lifted side could score in this game. Like every, everybody's kind of like jogging half hearted, like barely mm-hmm. picking up their man, not really giving a fuck about. There's, there's no intensity whatsoever. So it's not just McManus that looks bad. Everybody in that defence just looks bad there. No, nobody seems to give a shit. You can tell by the, the sort of lineup as well for Scotland that uh, sort of the, we're playing two sort of marauding fullbacks uh, and Hutton and Wallace, and then there's nobody really playing wide. It looks like a really narrow team. Uh, if you've got Chris Boyd, Kenny Miller, and uh, James McFadden, McCulloch, Fletcher, and Brown. So the idea is that we're just going to. So it looks like the idea, and I don't criticise. I mean, this is what you would expect. It seems like a, really, a decent lineup for the type of match we're playing. You wouldn't see us. I bet that's one of the only times that lineup ever played for Scotland. Uh, but obviously, we're looking to bully them through the middle, uh, have all our match winners on the park in the positions that they want, uh, and then you you go two 0 up by half time, and then you you go and enjoy yourself. But we never even got a shot on target for was it an hour before <laughs> fifty seven minutes. <laughs> Um, it's one of the worst things though you think that okay the first half it can be a wee bit cagey even if it's against Liechtenstein um, but then you have your team talking I'm sure Craig Levine is very inspiring at half time but you have your uh, you have your team talking and you come out and a minute later you're like fuck we're, just getting beat. we're, gonna, we're getting beat what do we do now 
Um, it was Fletcher's 50th cap as well. That was the game. I don't know if, if that maybe uh, affects the, the ranking for it as well. Probably not, but it was. <laughs> no, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we'll, we'll put it lower now. Yeah. Um, um, but, uh, it, it, did ha- it did have, and this is, this is harsh, this is bad on Kenny Miller. Uh, it's a shame because he, he, did, he did have some good moments for Scotland. But he never obviously scored a goal as good as this for Scotland. Kenny Miller's finish. It is what a fucking peach. outrageous. And He's it's just a shame that it comes in this fucking nothing game against Liverpool. He, uh, he got booed. He was getting booed before it in the lead up to the goal because he kept on giving the ball away. So uh, the fans, you can hear them, they're booing him when he touches the ball. Uh, and then he pulls out the bag off the bar and in. Uh, but that, sort of, that, that, that whole sort of sentence I just said sort of encapsulates... Sort of Kenny Miller's sort of career, really. Never mind just probably the national career. Probably the cleanest shot he's ever hit, um, first oh. and last. It was ridiculous, and you don't really think I completely forgot about it in this game until I just seen it, and it was left foot as well. Um, yeah, as a peach. Because you, you really only remember the Stephen McManus one because that's like, like st- uh, steeped in relief. Uh, and mm-hmm. if you can remember it, I was watching it uh, when my, my dad had moved through uh, um, Manning, so it's central Scotland. So I was watching it in a pub. In the heart of Alawan, there was some angry men and old men in there for uh, during the course of this game. But there was a quite big celebrations there. But I was the same as you, further. I was quite subdued because uh, I knew this doesn't fucking matter a jot. There's no <laughs> way. Rubbish. Uh, there's no way that we're going to be moving on from this game. And we just drawn uh, with Lothian as well, so you knew we were uh, rubbish. The fact uh, that we took this to 97 minutes to go ahead against Liechtenstein was confirmation that we are definitely rubbish and we are not and, qualified for this group. It's also got the Czech Republic and Spain in it. I think, uh, like, Ken, um, um, sort of Craig Levine, they try and sort of nudge him on that type of chat. And he's saying, uh, why would I want to talk about something that, that never happened? Uh, talking about the poor performance. We've got th- three points in the bag. But, uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to look, but you wouldn't have to look far for a time where Craig Levine bemoans bad finishing and uh, in, in a game that he didn't win, uh, even though that's something that happened. So he, he must have known then. He just didn't want to enter into the debate. Uh, that this that the, the team was on the road to nothing. He never created any sort of uh, bond with the team. He never created any sort of tactical game plan with the team. There was no identity, and um, the, the fact that this is one of his best days speaks volumes for his for his period at, uh, at Scotland. We were actually top of the group after this game as well because Spain because yeah. it was a double header. It was a group of five. So Spain only played once. And so this gave us four points. And get, even though Czech Republic had beaten Liechtenstein in the first game, Czech, or maybe no, Spain had beaten them. Czech Republic, Czech Republic, whoever they were playing, Czech Republic shut the bed because they got beat by Lithuania. Yeah. I think they even got beat at home as well. I think it was like a really big shock. Uh, and that actually gave us a great chance, which we obviously never took advantage of because we played, um, not just played 4 6 0, because you could play with a false nine, as I, keep, as I continually say all the time, that people. So, as Craig Levine claims that other teams are doing it now, I've never ever seen a football team line up with just two sets of wingers. You can play four six zero, but the guy at the top of it at least has to be sent. At least there has to be a guy at the top of it. It has to be central. You can't just play with two sets of wingers. That doesn't make any fucking sense. What are they crossing it in for? <laughs> I think that was it, wasn't it? It wasn't. It's, it's remembered for that, and you think, well, it's not really that. Um, it's not really that weird to not play with a recognised centre forward like it happens a lot now certainly but 10 years ago maybe it still was quite weird for Scottish football but it's the rest of the team yeah the formation looked like when you get served soup in a restaurant and it comes out in a plate so the plate's a back four and then it's just this round circle that's the rest of the formation <laughs> which is the soup bowl 
Uh, yeah, because I think he's trying to—he's uh, trying to be smart. He's trying to rewrite history a bit. Uh, try to look at sort of the, oh, for want of a better word, uh, sort of the more hipster sort of formations that are used these days. But like you're saying, Craig, it wasn't a false nine. It wasn't someone dropping deep so people could go beyond him and him threading the ball in or whatever like that. It was—it was four six zero, and that—that's the thing. And there was no one up front. We're moving on to a completely different game, but uh, it's impossible. <laughs> It's Which I think impossible. is much higher up in the rankings. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's impossible not to when you're talking about Levine and you're talking about the day before. I saw Wallace got wiped out and carried off and he was a Hearts player then. Uh, and obviously he's a guy that's played for both your teams. Did he... Um, how long was he out for after that? Cause it looked like I don't pretty... remember him being out. So uh, I was trying to say it was a good while. I'm yeah. sure it was a, it was it? a good while. On the, I don't, I don't know offhand, but on the highlights that was said, they thought it ended the season. I don't think it was that because he went to Rangers the summer after. Um, but I remember oh, it being right. a no, good I, few months. No, I do remember this now. Yeah, he was out for. Um, he came back in January. He's far, in fact, his first game back, uh, funnily enough, was against Rangers, and he helped set up the goal uh, for which Hearts beat Rangers one 0 uh, at Tynecastle. When that was when Hearts were flying and winning every week. Uh, but Hearts are lucky to win that game because Rangers oh, are absolutely battered us. We tear in your eye there, Fowler. Hack on dates. Right, we'll be winning every week next season. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, one of the, it's one of the good things we've been a massive fish in a tiny pond. <laughs> I remember, I remember when he signed, and it was, um, it was obviously just at the start of McCoy's reign, and uh, Craig White, and this was the ridiculous bids that were going in everywhere, and because he'd just come back from injury, and Hearts were saying, "Oh, we want what was it, one and a half, one and a half million, or we want yeah. whatever it was," and Rangers went in with, "I'll, I'll give you one hundred and fifty grand," and it never, never really, <laughs> like, okay, and then two weeks later, we'll just pay the one, whatever it is, one million, that'll be fine. Uh, so I remember he was out for a while because I remember thinking it's a lot of money at that point for uh, somebody that's been been injured. That might have been where he had loads of time on his hands and he was just driving about Sight Hill with a, with a, with a gun on Anyway, let's end it there. Right, thank you very much for, for listening. Uh, thank you, Adam, for joining us. Uh, no thank you, Tony, as well. Cheers, um, mate. Thank you, everybody. Make sure to listen to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. And if you want to find us on Twitter, it's at Terrace Podcast. And, oh, no, the Instagram's back up running. If you have Instagram, please add us in, on Instagram because... Who's Graham, running that fella? Graham has control of it now other than Joel. Joel done a few things and then just uh, left it for a year and a half. <laughs> so to find it, it's just the same. It's test podcast on Instagram. So you'll get more regular updates on that on, on kind of the shows and pictures of posts. So make sure to add it to that. Right. Thank you, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.